0: Welcome to the Fabric Podcast, where we're talking about stuff that works. These are concepts that many of us have found rich and helpful over the last several years, so much so that we wanted to compile them into a group of conversations to give us each easy access to these tools. Here's Greg Meyer. We are talking about stuff that works uh, these weeks, and um, these are not tricks. They aren't life hacks. They're not shortcuts. I mean, these are these are things that, I mean, they just make life better. They're simple practices. They're things to do that most of us, certainly me, you know, don't really find the time for and we, uh, you know, don't always do them. But but there really are things that are aligned with the way the world really works, the way the world really works. You could say it's the way God created the world, or you could say it's the way the fabric of the universe is woven. I mean, whatever language works for you. But in quite often, these things that work are, um, they surprise us. We really didn't see them coming. Uh, let me let me give you an example of that. All right. Uh, so here I've got a ordinary fork and spoon from our dinner table. I didn't tell my wife. And I'm gonna stick it between the tines of the fork and get it balanced down there. All right. All right. No big deal. Now I've got a glass sitting here, and I'm gonna put the fork and spoon onto the let's say it's get balance going to put the fork and the spoon onto the glass what's going to happen when i let go it's going to just fall off right cuz there's nothing to balance it back when i do this at home i don't shake there we go but it doesn't fall off like that's weird What's going on there? I mean, well, let's make it weirder, okay? I'm going to take a match and light it. And um, I'm going to burn the end of the toothpick that's inside the glass that's opposite of the fork and spoon. Can you see that? It's right down in there, and it goes out. It's like there's nothing there. That fork and that spoon are balanced by the burnt-off end of that little match. Is that weird, or is that weird? That's weird. So I learned how to do this when I was in grade school, It still fascinates me. I mean, this is the coolest thing in the world. So the fork and the spoon, they're supposed to fall off, but they don't. What's that about? This is just an illustration. There are things in this world that just don't work the way we think they would. All right? There's a lot of things like that. At least not from a quick glance or sometimes, you know, our limited ability to see deeply enough and to understand all what's going on. Like we just couldn't predict it. We can't think about it. And um, so we don't really know what's going on. And the deal is when we don't really know what's going on and how things really work, we tend not to try to do it that way, right? Right? Instead, we do it the way we think it would work. We do it our way. And that's not necessarily such a bad thing. I mean, but sometimes we're missing how it could be. And sometimes that difference really matters. It really makes a difference in what we do with our lives. Okay, now, like, balancing a fork and a spoon off of a toothpick, or with a toothpick off the edge of a glass, not a big deal. I mean, who cares? I mean, but what about your relationships? Relationships. What about the things in your relationships that don't actually work the way that you kind of think they should or would? Or maybe in the directions of how you decide the direction of your own life and where it's going and how that should happen. What about those things? I think they make a little bit more difference. Now, if there's an engineer or an architect in the room, I'm sure they could explain you know, what, what's going on here and why the spoon and the fork don't fall down, why they're sitting here. It's a center of gravity kind of thing is what's actually happening. Um, th- this is not magic, okay? There's no magic going on here. Um, and that's really how it is with the ways of God. The, the, the ways of the stuff in this world that is so much bigger than us that we're pulled into that we're invited to see and participate in because it makes us whole it makes us a part of all things rather than our own little cells running around in the world out there by ourselves um, see these ways of God the deep and the real stuff of life they're often counterintuitive I mean meaning we wouldn't see that coming we, we don't wouldn't thought of that but they make sense they make a lot of sense. We know it. We recognize it deep down inside of ourselves. It resonates with the core of our inner selves. Like I said, it isn't magic. It isn't a suspension of the laws of physics or the laws of nature. And so they're just so deeply in tune with how the world really works that it's hard for us to see we miss it. And when we miss it, we don't trust it and we don't live by it. That's why we talk about those sorts of things here, right? To try to understand these things, to try to understand the world from a bigger perspective and to try to reinforce each other and learning to trust and to live by it. Now, the stuff that works is all about these kinds of things. We talked about knots. We talked about buses. Uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast on that if you wonder what that's about. Today, we're going to talk about pipes, all right? Pipes, and that's right. You each got a, a pipe um, a few minutes ago, right? Yeah, I know. It's really just um, um, a stainless steel straw, um, but uh, I want you to think about it as a pipe. And sorry if you're on live stream or podcast, you didn't get one, but hey, it pays to show up, right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, come by and see me. I'll give you one. It's a deal. All right, we'll do that. So pipes, what's that all about? Here's my seven-word summary of pipes. And this is on your outline, by the way. If Backside of your Sunday paper, there's an outline you can follow along if you want to. Um, but here's my seven-word summary of pipes. You are not a bucket, you are a pipe. Okay, that's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. You are not a bucket, you are a pipe. But uh, before I explain that, let me back up a little bit and talk about what are some of these counterintuitive things that make sense? Because our world is full of them. What are some of these counterintuitive things that make sense? One of them is kindness. Kindness. Kindness, not just when you have to, but kindness like when no one really notice, or it's an anonymous person that you'll never get credit for, or kindness. When you, what are you going to repay hostility? Or when someone's mean to you, how are you going to repay them with kindness? Hmm. Counterintuitive, but but it works. What, what about standing up for the rights of others, even at your own risk? That's one of them. Forgiveness is one of the counterintuitive things that makes sense, especially when we learn. That forgiveness, I mean, it takes, it's a counterintuitive move to believe that forgiveness is not about letting someone else off the hook, but it's about freeing yourself from the damage or the baggage that was incurred upon you when you were hurt. That's what forgiveness is about. And when you free yourself up, there's a possibility that you will begin to free up that other person to also do a similar recovery from whatever it was that happened. Another counterintuitive thing that makes sense is Diversity. Yeah, trusting that different ideas and different experiences are actually assets. They're not threats to me. Yeah. Then there's one whole other area of counterintuitive things that make sense, like the idea of enough and the idea of generosity. These are in the category of stuff that works that I want to talk about today. Enough and generosity are pipe material, all right? But before I talk about pipes, I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole of buckets a little bit first, too. Okay, so buckets, that's the alternative to pipes. I Remember, I said you are not a bucket, you are a pipe. What are buckets all about? Well, buckets are this obvious trap that we fall into because we don't understand how our world works well enough. That is, we end up thinking that we ought to collect things, that we see ourselves as the destination of all the stuff that comes to us in the world, It comes to me, and it belongs to me, and this is where it's going to land and where it's going to be. Things like money and things like possessions are obvious, but opportunities, experiences, friends, whatever, all of this stuff, they're ours. They belong to me. They belong to you. How does the expression go? The more, the better. The more, the better, right? That's it. That's what we think is true. Consumption, collection, possession. We want to elevate our standard of living, and that is how we do it. Collection, consumption, and possession. Now, so what does a bucket believe? A bucket believes that I am filled up by accumulating. I fill up my life by accumulating. But you may have noticed we did not hand out buckets this morning, right? We handed out pipes, stainless steel straws. Yeah, I mean, hey, and these are actually useful, Uh, this isn't a piece of garbage that'll end up in a landfill. If you really don't want it, you can recycle it or give it to someone who does want it. Or better yet, you can put it in your bag or your purse or your car. And when you go to that restaurant, you can use this instead of the plastic thing. That will end up in a landfill. So, yeah. Anyway, pipes. uh, So pipes have a whole different way of looking at life than buckets do. They see things differently. They have a counter-intuitive, counterintuitive, but it makes sense way of understanding things. And this not-so-obvious perspective on life that they have, and I'm sure it's one that you are very familiar with, but if you're like me, you have a hard time wrapping your life around it, that perspective that it has is that you don't get enough by accumulating. You can't get enough by accumulating. Here, um, let me show you this. Um, Do this with me. Uh, Francis had us breathing a little bit ago. I want you to breathe with me again. All right. So I want everybody to take a breath in. Okay. Take another breath in and another breath in. All right. Now inhale, inhale. (laughs) At a certain point you can't anymore, right? I mean, breathing isn't only inhaling, it is also exhaling. We breathe in and we breathe out. Stuff comes into our lives and it moves out. The stuff of life flows in and it flows out. And that's how it works. Now, there is such a thing as having enough. And beyond that, you know, beyond that, then, you know, it gets a little sketchy, uh, you know, We say that uh, the way things really work is that there can be enough, and when that is reached, we aren't growing anymore. We're swelling, you know? Gee, uh, Mr. and Mr. Danielson, um, your child is really swelling nicely. You know, <laughs> that, that's, we know when something is swelling, that's kind of like a negative thing, right? It's not growing, but it's funny. That's what we want to do with our bank accounts. Hmm. Put those two together. Wonder about that. But um, so... I mentioned this phrase a little bit ago, the more the better. There's another one. There can be too much of a good thing. There can be too much of a good thing. I think we've also experienced that in our lives too, haven't we? We know that's true. There can be too much of a good thing, but I don't know. It's pretty hard not to keep trying to get more and more of that good thing because we think that's going to work for us. Now, I do have to stop and say that I am not advocating for poverty, I'm not trying to glamorize being poor, I'm not trying to say that there aren't millions of people in our own country who don't need more. They need more um, food, they need more income, they need uh, more security, more support, they need more opportunities. That is really true, and it's a responsibility for all of us to try to make sure that no one falls into that category um, and to help help lift people out of it that are there. But somewhere, there is a point where more still adds to our lives, But not the stuff that matters. It it just isn't the stuff that we really need. At some point, more doesn't make you happier. It doesn't strengthen your family or your relationships. It doesn't, uh, you know, make you a person who is more noble, that is more other-centered, that is even more satisfied. In fact, more somewhere along that line starts eroding all of those things in your life. And it's counterintuitive thinking, but you know it's true, don't you? You've experienced it, and you've seen it. It's true. So too much tempts us to think that we can be independent of other people. We can do this on our own. It makes it, makes it harder for us to see the needs of other people in their lives. And it also kind of gives us permission to judge the misfortune of other people, making their lack, their fault, not our shared responsibility. Yeah, that's the bucket talking in us. But pipes have something else to say, because they don't tell us that we are the receptacles of something, they tell us that we are the conduits of something. And that is different. Pipes may not have, they may not keep, they may not own whatever it is that is flowing through them, but just because they don't have it, they don't keep it, they don't own it, doesn't mean that they're not filled, right? No, they too are filled, but they have a very different relationship with the stuff that fills them than buckets do. So if the bucket believes I am filled up by accumulating, what does the pipe believe? The pipe believes I am fulfilled by stewarding. Hmm, by stewarding, that, that, that requires a little bit of unpacking because stewarding is one of those stewardship, steward, stewarding, that's one of those old words that we know but we you know really don't use and it seems a little, kind of weird. But, but I use it very deliberately. And I talk about stewarding. When I, when I talk about stewarding, I have something very specific in mind. Um, uh, here's, here's my definition of stewarding. A steward is someone who is entrusted with something of value by the owner of it. And the steward can use and enjoy it. And the steward is responsible for the care of it for the purposes of the owner. All right? So a steward is someone who's entrusted with something of value by the owner of it and can use it and can enjoy it, but is also and is also responsible for the care of it for the purposes of the owner. Or to put that long definition much more succinctly is this. A steward says, it isn't mine, but I'm in charge of it. Right? It isn't mine, but I'm in charge of it. That's the the down and dirty of it. So our world... It's full of things that give you joy, that make your life possible, things that you're in charge of, things that you're in control of. Um, but they don't really belong to you. I mean, yeah, your 401k belongs to you. Yeah, your house belongs to you. Well, maybe to the mortgage company, so that's a bad example. But your 401k belongs to you, okay? And, um, but, but really, does it truly belong to you? I mean, you didn't create the world from which all of these things came. I mean, you pulled together learning and ideas. You took something and made something with it and transformed something. But did you really create all that stuff or did you just like take it and work with it? Were you really the owner of it or are you the steward of it? They're entrusted to us to use and to enjoy and to to care for according to the purposes that are bigger than our own. So, if this is, if this is, I mean, my idea that uh, you know, buckets uh, try to fill themselves up by accumulating, and pipes are fulfilled by stewarding. There are two other words that are really important, and that's that word "full" and the word "fulfill." And being full is not the same as being fulfilled. I make this distinction a lot, not because I don't think you're smart enough to get it, but because, like. This is something I wrestle with all the time, having my life be about being fulfilled rather than just being full. It's also something that the Bible reflects on from about any angle you can think of, over and over and over again. Let me let me just throw you throw some of these out that I think you very likely recognize. One does not live by bread alone. Hmm. What does that have to do about being fulfilled or full? One does not live by bread alone. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Or this one, a little more complicated. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, knowing that when Jesus is saying that, he's not talking about like, going to heaven someday. No, the kingdom of heaven is when the ways of God are actually at work and alive among us right now. It is easier for, a rich, or easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to live in a world of peace and love and justice. Ooh, That hurts. Or I think the most poignant of all of them, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So being fulfilled is different than being full. Full is about amount. Fulfilled is about purpose. Being full fades, fulfillment endures. It satisfies. It wants to reach out and share. And the funny thing is, it feels, fulfillment doesn't feel, feel like it is losing when it shares, it somehow feels as though it is gaining. Interesting. So Paul, who was that early um, Christian leader who was trying to kind of get the people that were forming the church right after the time of Jesus to understand what Jesus was all about. He, had, he was a mentor to a man named Timothy, a young man. And Timothy was struggling with a, with a new community somewhere, evidently. And Paul gives him this advice about Helping his uh, people be pipes instead of buckets, all right? Let me read this to you. As for those who in this present age are rich, who are full, right? Instruct them not to be arrogant, not to think that it's theirs, or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, because that's not going to work, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our our enjoyment. It's okay to enjoy it, all right? This is a wonderful world. We're supposed to enjoy it. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, ready to share. Those are voluntary things, right? These aren't forced, ready to share, eager to share. Thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. So, why? So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Not some easy, cheap, ultimately disappointing version, but the counterintuitive, but it makes sense version that lasts and endures and spreads to other people. So that was 2,000 years ago. We haven't figured this out yet, folks. I mean, every generation, every person, we have to struggle with this. What does it mean to be a pipe instead of a bucket in my life? This counterintuitive truth that works. Um, But I think we sense that it is true. There's something about it when things flow through us rather than just ending up in us, there's some added value. There's something better and deeper that's hard to describe. It's certainly true when it comes to money. That's the easy target, right? I I was reading the story of a CEO, the CEO of the container store. Maybe you know about container stores they are really big in the South, especially. And um, the CEO of that company voluntarily took a 10% pay cut because, which is, was about $90,000 pay cut, because his company in the last year had lost $158 million. And they were trying to blunt the impact that it would have on their employees. Um, That's kind of amazing. That doesn't happen real often in the CEO world that I I mix with. (laughs) Um, But, you know, but, but I wonder, I mean, At the same time, this contract for his reduced, you know, 10%, this 10% rate, it ends in April. And he also got 2.5 million in stock awards at the same time. It's like, hmm. You know, I I don't know exactly, you know, what motivated this for him. But it certainly does say that more wealth doesn't necessarily mean more generosity, does it? What if, what if, I, I love that question, what if... He had done something different. What if he had said, you know, I'm going to turn all of my stock awards over to the employees so that they like, feel ownership, they have ownership of this company. And in the meantime, I am going to decide to only, I've, I've got enough already. I have enough. I'm going to only get the average wage of my container store employee until we together turn this ship around. Just think of the ripples that might have in the corporate world and in his own company and maybe in his own life, right? I mean, that's amazing. But it's safe to point at millionaires and billionaires, right, and poke holes in them. That's, that's kind of cheap. That's a little bit too easy. I mean, this is true about us. Where is this happening in our lives? It's hard to trust that this generosity thing is actually stuff that works You know, I mentioned a little bit earlier how we look after our standard of living in order to feel like we're good or everything's okay. What if we realize maybe we really need to look after our standard of giving in order to have that life that really is life? So being a pipe isn't just about money and possessions. It's all about all the stuff of life. I mean, all of the world, I think, works that way. In fact, it's uh, you know, one of these things that we're fulfilled by things that we share. And fabric, this community, is one of those things. Here's how I have seen it since the beginning. All right? You can either seek to fill yourself by having your church, whichever church it might happen to be, you can either seek to fulfill yourself by having your church meet your needs, or you can seek to be fulfilled by helping your church Meet the needs of others. Now, this is not, you know, opposing you against other people. It's either me or others that is being helped. No, this is a, do I understand my church as a bucket or as a pipe? And which one actually works? Which is a counterintuitive, but it makes sense way of doing it? Last fall, I told the story of a, uh, a church leader who came to the church that I was working in at that time, and he spoke to our assembled community, and I I don't remember anything he said except the first 12 12 words, and I'll never forget those first 12 words. He started out by saying, I am here today to ask you to give your church away. I've come here today to ask you to give your church away away. Now that doesn't mean that you give it to someone else and you don't have it anymore. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is that you will never know what it means, what your church means, what your church can do for you until you make it possible for others to have it and to have it on their terms, not on yours, but on their terms. Until you serve others with your church and not meet your needs with your church, you will never know the full value of your church. What he's trying to let us know is that, and I found this to be true in my life, is that I still meet my needs only better when I have that relationship with my church. It's different, it's more full, and it's better. I know it doesn't quite make sense, you know, like this fork and spoon thing here, but it actually does work. It's the way life is. Jesus said, those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake, for who I am to show you, what I'm trying to show you here, those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Or as we just read a couple of minutes ago, be rich in good works, generous, ready to share, so that you may take hold of the life that is really life. Not some lesser facsimile. So this isn't only true for us with people who end up in our fabric bucket, but it's here to remind us that we are pipes for others to find their way into this community. We are healthiest when there is new faces, when there are new faces, when there are new people, new friends, new gifts um, that are able to reach into the community in ways that we never thought we would be able to. Often they're surprising ways. Often they're pretty uncomfortable ways. But that is what makes us healthy. But how are others going to know if we don't tell them, right? Part of being a pipe is having a place for this good news of fabric, right, to flow out and then for people to flow in. Now, it can be hard to share this community. We've talked about that. I mean, how many people find it really easy to talk about church to their friends and neighbors? Probably not too many, That can be a hard thing to do. I mean, the stuff we talk about is tough, I know, and church is just a landmine waiting to be stepped in, and it's all going to blow up in your face, and you don't really want to approach that. Um, but at the same time, if there's some value here, if you find something that has meaning and is important to you, why do you think that would only be true for you and it wouldn't be true for other people? Don't, don't you think the stuff that maybe, you know, church is kind of counterintuitive, but makes sense that other people are also resonating with that, and that is going to make sense in their lives as well. It can be scary, but yeah. And how are you going to let them know? Well, we got a couple ideas. I mean, Francis told you about t-shirts. Come and get them afterwards, and a lawn sign you can put up. But these are just props. I mean, these are things that maybe can trip off a conversation, maybe get people thinking that the real work is going to be your story. Is it, what, what can you say? Well, what is it in you that makes this experience, this community, not just, I'm not talking about Sunday mornings, I'm talking about this larger experience that we have as community, worth it for you. That, and why would you believe it's, if that's true for you, it would not be true for other people as well? You know, don't worry about the fact that the message that you're gonna share is, you know, not the typical thing people talk about. Yeah, it's not gonna be. I mean, what we do here, the stuff we wrestle in, the things that we're trying to center our lives in are counterintuitive and therefore countercultural, all right? But they do make sense. They resonate with somewhere deep down in your life and probably have ch- changed some things deep down in your life. And I think your hopes and your dreams are probably not that different from your friends and your neighbors' hopes and dreams. Find ways to connect them to looking for it. So being a pipe not a bucket that's it's stuff that works and the truth is that God is at work within you whoever you understand what that means and whoever you see that working it flows in you to enrich you receive it love it find ways to share it with others Take a breath again and let this one out be that pipe May these three strands tightly woven within us, holding us in the grip of life that is really life, may that move us and refresh us and make us brave enough to not just hold on, but also to let go, to be part of God's big picture of love in this world, not just our own diminished versions of it. We pause to remember those within our reach whose lives need that love in, in very tangible ways. Help us to ask what is filling us that we maybe could fulfill ourselves with by sharing it with others. And help us to take the risk and trust that that is how it works. And help us to hold this community less tightly. Not that we'd lose touch with it, but that there could be room for others people we don't know yet, others whom we might not understand, but for whom this community came into being in the first place. Help us to be pipes. May it be so. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more connection in your life, stay up to date with what's going on with fabric and find resources to help you in your conversations and reflection at fabricMPLS.com or searching Fabric MPLS on social media. Let us know if there are conversations you're longing to start or resources you're longing for to help you live a life more deeply woven.